Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 32nd episode of the Clockroach Podcast. I'm Robbie. I'm Joshua. And, gonna remember, Roganaut plus 9383 in game. <laughs> Tanadara plus 2385. Yes, because we are really good at remembering that. I mean, by now, I think we have a faithful listener base who, some of them are already friends with us on Eternal. Some of them have heard us say that many times. So <laughs> you, You've either already become friends with us or don't care, so I guess we should stop, huh? Yeah, for all you new people <laughs> out there, that's for you, friend yeah. us. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's been a while since it's just been uh, you and me doing a regular podcast. Yes. Yeah, so nice. you want to just get into it? Sure. Because things happened? Quite a few things, but yeah. we should start off with some of our greatest moments. Yes. What's your play of the week? So the play of the week is something you were around to help me for. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did a draft. And um, we didn't record this one. No, just for fun. Uh, we ended up being in uh, uh, what what is this Caracano? Is it what what is the name of this armory? If, yes, <laughs> but we didn't have any relic weapons. That's true. Um, Scarcano. <laughs> Scarcano, and uh, that was not intentional. We didn't plan on doing three colors. We wanted but, to be disciplined. Yes, we wanted to be right about doing things, but it turns out that we just needed to get playable cards. We got basically cut on fire, I thought, pretty after the torches. I mean, yeah, cut on fire, but two torches, so eh. Yeah. Anyways, um, just overall, that deck did not deserve to win anything, but, like, <laughs> each game, win or lose, oh my came down to, like, both players top-decking and, like, one good rip will just kill it for either person, and we, it was amazing. We didn't deserve to win. Did not deserve to win, won anyways. It was fantastic. Didn't we go, like, three... And three with that, or four and three? Uh, three and three sounds about right. I think it sounds right. So yeah, um, just it was just a fun time. Uh, mostly though, the one game, the one game where uh, I got, I was facing a lot of early aggression mm-hmm. and managed to finally stabilize. And the dude ripped. I was at one. I was actually at one, and the guy ripped a uh, a Lumen Shepherd off the top. Hmm. And his last card in hand was Predatory. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. And... Yep, Predatory Instinct. And then That's I died. Shame. And then, because he played the Shepherd, <laughs> killed by one of my two things, and then the next turn he was able to just punch with both and kill me. Yeah. That was a... That's pretty perfect. That was an unnecessary <laughs> way to die, but... Did not feel good. Sometimes, sometimes you just want to be obliterated instead. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you want to lose like actual things, not the uh, the <laughs> little token that Lumen Shepherd comes with. Anyways, your play of the week is a lot better. <laughs> Alright, so, I have been brewing lots of decks and running into experienced players <laughs> being sad. <laughs> That's what you get playing being dumb decks. Um, or not you're, not, you're not at Masters yet. I'm not at Masters okay, yet, okay. not this month. But, uh, finished 309, so excited. Anyway, um... I was playing against somebody playing uh, Combrilesian mid-range, TJP, and he was Siroffing, um, so it was, it was pretty good for him. I was playing my Ozendel uh, Xenon Control Splash Justice deck, and was up to something like 14 power. Um, but why, though? And then he Siroffed the turn before I drew a Suffocate. He surfed for an Icaria. Um, huh. Yeah. I have a Titan, but it's still picking through my stuff. Um, and 
so I got up to 18 power, or uh, 17 power with Ozendel, um triggering off of things that I was throwing in front of Icaria, and then I made a parliament for four owls and was able to attack through his stuff for victory. That is amazing. It was great. <laughs> it was great! So we found the one thing Ozendel does, I guess. Yeah! I'll talk more about that deck later, but yeah. it's... Uh, it's lackluster. Turns out new cards means new decks means more fun stuff to do. Amen. Yep. <laughs> and you know what? Two of the three cards are really sweet. Yeah. So have you been playing with all of them so far? Uh, so far, just the uh, monitor. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's start off talking about that one. Um. Well, first, let's talk about the uh the. Or uh, yeah. Oh. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll talk about the new cards first, I guess. Yeah. I mean, okay. Order. You know. Yeah. Notes don't matter or anything. Okay. <laughs> so, we got three new cards. Uh, do you want to tell us exactly what they are? Sure. So, Arcanum Monitor is a five power, two fire, and two time influence, uh, one one. Fails so, the vanilla test. Uh, I give it a D? F plus. Oh, yeah. It's hard to cast. F. <laughs> um, it's a sentinel. And the text says that all of your other units get plus one, plus one. And... Arcanum Monitor gets plus one plus one for each of your, your other units, and to top it all off, it has Overwhelm. That Overwhelm, though, is the thing that... That's oh, the key. Yeah, that, that card. So, okay, here's the thing. We talked about this card last week, and I think we were all kind of lukewarm on it. Well, I thought it might be... Okay. We, we were optimistic, but yeah. tempered. Right. Because <laughs> uh, it dies to temper on an empty board. So, where do you stand on it now? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Does it it turn out that just putting that card... Because that used to be a Combrai card. So it's not the best card in the world. No. But does it turn out that just putting that into the faction with assembly line make it better? It makes... It gives the deck a lot more redundancy uh, as it provides both a top-end threat and a team buff. Um, which you can't get enough of in Praxis Tokens. Turns out. Being able to have potentially 12 things that you can drop to boost all of your team's uh, strength is really nice, between Obelisk, Monitor, and Rally. And the fact that it has Overwhelm is a sweet mirror breaker. Also, things like Sandstorm Titan and Combra Healer that normally get in the way of those decks, it's just like, that's cute. Yeah. I'm going to hit you for eight. Yeah. (laughs) At least... Um, it's also, so it does die to a good deal of removal, um, but at fast speed, Death Strike? Death Strike. That's it, right? That, that's all that gets it, unless it's small enough to be lightning struck. Like, that's really it. Uh, if they Scorpion Wasp it, it your team is fine. Um, and so being able to be blown out by it is actually not, uh, not actually that bad. Not as big of a risk. Whereas you can get blown out by a couple of fast spells with uh, with Xenonobelisk. Not like people are playing those, but you could. <laughs> um, so I got, I had to screenshot this. Um, I got on turn three, the dream curve. You sent me a picture of this and I was just like, I, what are you doing, you monster? Yep, you go Granadin Drone, Initiate, Initiate. Arcanum Monitor on turn three. You have eight attacking, eight strength of attacking units and a five-five monitor. It was great. I feel bad for your opponent, but at the same <laughs> time, that's so good. Yeah. Um, How was Initiate in that deck? I really like it. Uh, it speeds you up. It draws out removal. Um, it's not you know necessary, 
but it does let you get to the really accelerated three drop um, you know either the acolyte or assembly line and then into Titan or obelisk you know that much faster and this deck wants to get under its opponent's giant units and so being able to do that a turn faster and get another six points of damage in before they play their huge thing is really useful. Yeah, Initiate's a really weird card, because sometimes it's really good, and there are decks where the card is actually actively good, yeah. and then there are decks where the card is just pure trash. Oh, yeah. And there are just metas where the card doesn't do anything at all. <laughs> I mean, it got yeah, better. completely. It got, it got much better once Desert Marshal lost that second point of health. Mm-hmm. Um, but just overall... Like, Initiate is such a weird, weird card to, like, know when to use it and when not to use it and what decks actually want it. Yeah, it's gone in and out of favor in a lot of decks. Like, you'd think that Combrai would just be all over it no matter what, because all of Combrai's two drops are okay, but all of their threes are amazing. Uh-huh. So you'd think, oh yeah, no, you play that, skip your two, and go straight to three. It's like, no, you don't do that. You play something Combrai. that matters in the long game. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Initiate is super weird, but powerful when it's good. And yeah. this is... I think a good place for it. Um, What's your monitor deck? So my monitor, my monitor deck basically is just like an old Praxis tokens list with unlock potential, oh, cut yeah. and gutted for the new better card. <laughs> yeah, I have also not been playing unlock potential anymore. Yeah, uh, you had an interesting card choice. If you want to share, I do actually want to share. Um, and I I wanted to make sure that it was actually playable. And so I jammed a bunch of games, and I won uh, quite a few of them off, the off back. of Cloud of Ash. Yeah! <laughs> because so, this is the deck, I think, that so wants Cloud of Ash. Tell me exactly yeah. how bad is it compared to Crystallize? Really bad. <laughs> really bad, guys. It's not Crystallize. <laughs> but, it, so, my thinking here... Um, with Praxis Tokens is you have a very nice matchup against things like Armory. Um, you are a little weak to Harsh Roll. Some people have been splashing for that. I haven't. Um, you're a little weak to Harsh Roll. But otherwise, you do well against decks that are unit light because you can swarm them. What you don't do well against is decks that gum up the ground with huge units like Com Combray and Elysian, primarily. Um, and Elysian and... Combray are both really big decks right now. They sure are. And so, rather than attempt to get reach, because this deck, it doesn't seem like it's a Flame Blast kind of deck. Uh, no. It really wants to go all in on the unit plan. Maybe that's because it needs to for that to be a good plan, but <laughs> it wants to. Um, and its potential for recovering from board stall is really low. The nice thing about that is that that actually means that your Combray opponent is very unlikely to harsh rule you. Because they will have their Seraph, Marshall, and Titan down, along with some other junk. You can't attack. Some other garbage, who cares? Yeah, you can't attack, so they're just gonna sit and build up their board and get ready for an Alpha Strike. Or they're just gonna count to eight. They're just gonna yeah. try to get the Seraph, because there's no pressure, because you're not attacking your 1-1s into their 3-4s. Totally. So if you can get them down... Uh, you know, in the tens, um, before they start gumming up the board, which is pretty easy to do, then you can drop a, a cloud of ash, and they won't have time to react. And this especially works with things like you, 
it gives you time to set up with things like obelisk and yeah uh, the monitor himself now the monitor is weak to desert marshal that's something i didn't cover in the uh in the re- fast speed removal desert marshal silencing him will mess up your day uh if you're counting on exact damage and they have that right right and i mean that's just Fair. Like that. Yeah. That's what does that's Desert Marshall doing his job. But I I've, I've tried <laughs> playing one cloud of ash and two cloud of ash and it's serviceable here. Okay. Yeah. What do you like more, one or two? I th- So when I when I was playing the one, uh, I also had a furnace mage in there. And Did, this doesn't really seem like a furnace mage it's friendly not. deck. Because you don't it's really, really concern not. yourself with what your opponent is doing. The most useful thing furnace mage did for me was taking re- taking care of opposing obelisks. And that doesn't come up often enough. So right. I, I cut him out for another Cloud of Ash and I've been happy with that. I feel like in those situations Cloud of Ash probably might have won you the game where furnace mage just kind of keeps things at parity. Good point. Good point. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, now, it does look really ugly in the opening hand. You know, you want to draw this card, like, turn... You either don't want to draw it, or you want to draw it turn 7 through 10 when you will win when you do. I'm curious, do you happen to have the uh, the spreadsheet of our grades? I do. Because I'm really curious what we gave Cloud of Ash. And while oh, you're doing that, I'll uh, talk in, about... In draft, it's total crap, I would think. Oh, no, no, no. Just what we graded the card. Oh, yeah, because we, we did a constructed set review. Yeah, we didn't... I remember don't... things. We don't... You honestly think we did a draft set review. Do you think <laughs> anyone would be interested in our take on draft cards? They shouldn't be. <laughs> they sure shouldn't. Because, like... Well, I, you're pretty good at draft, but I don't like, know. <laughs> I don't think you play enough drafts to speak with authority. We're still so bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So the next card is, and let me just. Oh, I thought I had him pulled up. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, I may or may not have this. I'm on my other computer, and I'm not sure if I sent this over. Okay. Uh, no worries if you don't. I'm just curious because I imagine that we gave it a uh, like a D or a C. Probably, probably a, D. a D. Yeah, probably a D. Um, if we know ourselves. <laughs> Although we were really optimistic on the writ, on the fire one, weren't we? Well, we were. That was we our were, first one. We were young and naive. We didn't. I remember. You, we didn't. We you didn't know to, any better. You wanted to give Rebel Sharpshooter like a C. I was like, Did I? I think so. Well, my reasoning was for like budget <laughs> stuff. I'm remembering. I know. Okay. Okay. I'm just giving you crap. Okay, so Ozendel is the next card that we're going to talk about. Speaking of giving you crap, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you uh, see if you have it, if not. So yeah. Ozendel is four double-time double shadow for an O5 that has plus one maximum power, and when another unit enters the void, increase this ability by one. So this is, like, one of the worst cards I've ever seen. Like... We that that just, is what it looks like. So, okay, we were just talking about how decent and weird Initiate of the Sands is on turn one. <coughs> Multiply that by, like, a hundred for this guy. It's really weird. You don't really need to... There's nothing to accelerate into. Right. Um, and the acceleration is hard and weird, and he will never have a relevant body. Nope. Um, I like to think, when I see a card like this, I like to think, what is it ramping me into? You know, in Magic, you can talk about... Um, explosive vegetation in in eternal you can talk about Azendel. What do I get on six? And you get Mystic Ascendant, who you don't want to play on six, and you get 
I yeah, I also hear the noise outside. That's oh, I was I was being silent for emphasis. Oh, because that's what you get. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get Mystic Ascendant, who isn't even good then. Um, yeah, you could get Minotaur Ambassador. Oh gosh, he does. Go to eight. Cost six. You could. Um, so. Uh-huh. The other thing that you oh. can do is play Whispers in the Void, which has a really sweet interaction with Ozendal, where each Spiteling, because it is created in the Void, counts as a unit entering the Void, and then it goes onto the field. So it will boost up your maximum power. Um, this led to me making several iterations on a Xenon control deck with Whispers in the Void, um, Ozendal's Gift, Marisen the Eldest, Vera, etc. Um, you know what my problem was with this deck? It doesn't do anything? No. Because uh, it did things. It tried to. My problem was, nearly every game, I am not exaggerating, nearly every game I played was against Combray, and Ozendel got silenced immediately. Because and so that's I, what happens to it! I did the deck without him, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. Like, even on Neon's article talking about this guy... Uh, he, um, I don't know that it was a full dedicated, I don't think it was a full dedicated article to Ozendel, but, like, the list that he made for Ozendel had one Ozendel in it. Oh. Yeah. So, like, he gets, he gets silenced and a 0-5 just isn't anything. So, like, and there's, there's also problems with, like, the first thing you think of is, like, okay, what's the biggest spell in the game? Well, it's the Witching Hour, but the Witching Hour has six shadow informants requirement, and you're yeah. just not going to freaking get it from this guy when you could just make tokens and do it better. Yeah. I I had the Conduit package in here, and I cut it uh, for more control. I, it's, it's really weird. I'm wondering if he's going to go really well with another kind of big power effect uh, coming? Maybe. Maybe? Really? I mean... I don't know. So, okay. As... As a fan of Xenon... Yeah. How are you on the, uh... The first steps of Xenon as its identity, I guess? <laughs> so I like... I like more plus one maximum power. I do like seeing that. Um... I think it's a very Oz- time-esque thing. Ozendel right now is not good. So, okay, actually, I want to talk about something really quick. Uh, I really Seems like... He's like a cool dude, though. I really like... I'd be his friend. Uh, flavorful card designs, and I like to try to design cards flavor-wise, and, like, in my spare time, I design cards for this, among other games, just for fun. Yeah. But my main problem is that, especially with spells, especially with spells, it is <laughs> really hard not to say... Well, that could be a time thing. Oh. Because time's umbrella of what it can do with time magic is just so wide cast. That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> so, point. So, I don't know. But, I am not a fan of Ozendel. It kind of feels no, like... I mean... I mean, obviously the effect is meh. And yeah. the body... I think the body is the worst part. But, um... If he was... If he was a 2-5, we could be talking, maybe. Oh, yeah. I think so. If he, if he was a 2-5 with this exact text line, then maybe we could have a discussion. If he... The crazy thing would be if he blocked Titan. Like, that'd be sweet if he was an 0-6, even. That would be okay. Like, it would it would help. It would help. Anyway. So, yeah. um, The, the problem is that everything can just fit into time, and I don't know. Uh, so, my problem with him is that it's just the time mechanic stapled with the shadow mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like, things dying gives you more of the time thing. It's a combination of the two. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but that's not, like... I want Xenon to be this, like, its own 
identity, really. Mm-hmm. Like, each of the faction pairs has its own really strong identity, and the first He's step that we there. see for Xenon is really, really weak. Yeah. And I'm not against the effect, I just don't think this is the right way to do it. No, I, I agree completely. Like, what if this was a relic instead? That didn't have that first line and just gave you power when you killed things. Would that even be that bad? Like, that good? I mean, it probably wouldn't be good, but it'd be a lot better than a unit. I mean, maybe that card is too scary and certainly maybe too scary at four. But, like, that doesn't even sound that broken to me. It doesn't do anything to the board. It means if I survive late game, my late game gets great. Yeah, and, like... Although it does accelerate the late game, but you know. Look, we might see an increased amount of play last word, ult last word, kill you, but I'm okay with that. I have done that too with this deck. Uh, <laughs> I had so many spitelings that I could just last word his stuff off. That was fun. <laughs> that was really fun. So yeah, that, that's... Uh, what, let's move on to the la- last card, because I don't think that there's an Ozendel gift that's relevant an Ozendel deck? Uh, Ozen- yeah, I, I don't think there's an Ozendel deck so that's either. relevant, and I don't see it happening anytime soon. Brewer's Challenge, yeah. I mean, <laughs> go for it. Play against <laughs> me, please. As yeah. long as Valkyrie Enforcer is around to keep the nonsense in check, mm-hmm. Ozendel's not going to be a thing. Agreed. Okay, but that doesn't mean he can't be fun. If you want to do something silly with him, good luck flame blasting people for 38, I guess. I did think about that. I haven't built that one yet. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Anyways, Rilgon Huru Operative is our last of the new promo cards. It is four double justice, double primal for a 2-4 with awesome artwork. Yes. Uh, he's a shaman warrior. And when you play a weapon on Rilgon, he gains Aegis. And when you play a spell, he gains double damage until end of turn. Yeah! So, there's like a couple of different things going on here. First of all is Spiked Helm. <laughs> I, I started off playing it. I imagine that changed. It did, but I started off playing it. So, okay. It's better than it's gotten before. Yeah. And then there's also things like Warhelm. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to go fire. The implication of spells. Like, this is another Spells Matter card. It which is. fits in with the existing Huru Envoy... Uh, uh, I'm, why am I blanking on the name of the card? I don't know. The, the cast spells get bigger. Fevered Scout? There we go. That's a fire card. Yeah, I understand, but you okay. could dissolve... You can, isn't you can, that the deck? It, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So, this card is really cool. Yeah, so the trap here is to build the deck all around Rilgon. That's not what you do. Um, you just build a good deck that Rilgon fits in. Exactly. Which and, sounds pedantic, but there's a difference. Yeah, um... So, if you just play 12 units, Rilgon is four of those, um, and then play a ton of weapons and spells, you're going to have many non-functional hands. Oh, right. But if you're playing a Huru, whether it, whether it's like a, an Oathbook-style deck, or whether you go I Huru put... Plate, like people have been doing and I've been really enjoying... Um, I and have a strong plan uh, with a few weapons, Rilgon is a role player. And he's a good one. I don't see the value in Oathbook in a Rilgon deck, because I feel like at yeah. that point you might as well just use the Longsword, because you getting that buff will oh, yeah. give the difference. Yeah. The the reason that I said Oathbook would be that the shell of Huru Oathbook is one that he could conceptually fit in pretty well. Sure, sure. It's like an existing deck, um, but yeah. And there's obvious synergies with other cards that exist. Is this the first Weapons Matters card? 
No. Oh, no? Oh, uh, well, Quartermaster. Oh, yeah, Quartermaster, okay. Which I have not been playing because fragile. Yeah, that, that Quartermaster... Quartermaster had a tiny, tiny window of playability when uh, Statuary Maiden was at its peak. It did. And that was really fun because yeah. cudgels drawing cards. I did really like that. Such good value. I I still have an armory list that I pick up every so often that I haven't really updated that has quartermaster and it's fine. But regardless, this card is really sweet. Don't build a combo deck with him. No. I mean if so I did have to try it. You know, you you have to try at some point the ghost form combo deck. The Ghost Form combo deck that was already kind of a thing with Fevered Scout. And yeah. Already sort of happening. You have to try a new version, and Plus, it's terrible. Finest Hour on him yeah. is really fun. Finest <laughs> Hour, Levitate. Levitate. You just smash for ten. Like, I've done that several times. <laughs> so what do you think about this as far as identifying what Huru is doing? It's it's already bi-directional at least bi-directional double damage is a weird keyword for huru but cool um, <laughs> is it though because and then remember, weapons and aegis we already know huru likes justice isn't green justice is for magic terminology justice right. is closer to white than it is to green it so is. like double damage makes sense but not like, that no, if we're gonna make that comparison yeah but all of the existing double damage cards are fire right I believe so. Is there one in shadow? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they're all fire. Uh, so bringing it into primal um, with who with railgun is kind of cool. Um, Actually, are they all Burkano? No. No. Shogun. No. There's yeah Shogun. Yeah. Um, I so it's there's an argument, and this is actually an argument I had with a, a player, very strong player, will not be named. But it was fun uh, talking with him while I found I made my Hurano plate deck and uh, ran into him. And of course he beat me because I was playing this deck. But um, we were talking about it and he said, it's just not playable. You have to play other cards to make it good and it's too reliant on the environment. And I think that is, especially right now, um, more or less true. Is that if you have to go too out of your way to play Rilgon, the the decks where you get that perfect hand are going to be really good. The times when you don't are not. But I think as it fills out, I think he will have a place. I think he will have a deck. I, I agree. Um, if Huru continues to go in this direction, yeah, I see that being really, really cool. Uh, I, and you know what? It makes sense to me because like, I was thinking about what the design crossover would be, and weapons seems like a really good mixture of... like theme of justice being like order and civ and like civility almost mm -hmm. to primals like i want to smash things yeah so his <laughs> primal I, the more of the i want to smash things side of primal we can get i'm i'm looking forward to that that's basically all primal is like well we it, look at like there's it kind of is but it's so shamanic there's some shamanic stuff to it like uh wisdom of the elders there's some like not trying to use the word primal, there's some very, like, really crude magic happening there. Is. There. there is. So, having, um, combining, like, raw, powerful, unfiltered magic with order makes sense to have buffs being their main mechanic. Yeah, but I mean, so far all of the smashy primal units are, like, Elysian, with the exception of Champion of Cunning. Um, and the, 
I guess Thunderstrike Dragon and Scourge. But, no, you know. you're just no, you're just listening to playable ones. You're forgetting like the stupid five six overwhelm Arachnidon. dinosaur. Yeah, he like, does exist. Like it's it's not a playable card, but it's still <laughs> a thematic primal thing. Like it smashes things. That's what it does. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but I'm saying we have seen a lot of the delicate side of primal too. Fair amount, I guess. Mm. Yetis, like, even yetis are just, I want to hit you. They're just not good at it. <laughs> They're pretty accurate. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to disagree with you. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. <laughs> okay. So those it, are those It might are the be that I'm looking more at the what gets played and I less think you of are. the what exists. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on. Our next topic is the mulligan thing. <laughs> because... There's been a change. I don't have a better way to put that. So, yeah. A pretty pretty freaking major change happened. A pretty delightful one. Yeah, like the next day after our last episode because we are good at this. I, yeah. (laughs) It was so funny. (laughs) So, you want to... You know this better than me. Go ahead and... Okay, so, Mulligan. Now, your first draw cannot have seven power cards or no power cards. Your first draw is going to have at least one and no more than six. Does not count seek power. I have drawn six and a seek power since this change. Um, It also means that your second draw now has between two and four, uh, well, inclusive two, three, four uh, primal power cards. And the choice that the engine makes between whether you get two or three or four power cards in your redraw is random. So you have an equal chance of drawing two or three or four. Right, so to kind of elaborate on that last point, it's not like if you have a 25 car, uh, power deck, you're going to see more two power hands yeah, than you would see you'll three see or four. Yeah, you'll see just as many You'll four. see 33% of the time, 33% of the time, 33% of the time, each of them. That is well said. Which it's is... Better said than me. Very interesting. Like, that aspect of it, I think, is probably the most, like, I think that's the biggest risk they took with this. Yeah. Um, I love, love the idea of never drawing a no sigil hand again. Yes. Like, that is just so nice. (laughs) Also, only sad reacts in the comments for all those five power redraw hands that we all loved. (laughs) Like, because... Even a one sigil hand sometimes, if it's like sigil seek power favor, you're like, I have played. I those. can keep this. Yeah. This is the decision I have to make. There's less no decision, just send it back hands. They're yeah. still going to be there, but there are less of them, and that is very heavily encouraged. Yeah, I'm really happy with smoothing out the number of unplayable hands that you get. So, okay, actually, one of the things about Hearthstone that makes people like it so much is the lack of having your resources tied to your deck uh-huh. like you don't have to worry about not casting your spells because you drew wrong you have to worry about not casting your spells because you didn't play anything in the first two turns and you're dying right um <laughs> but the closer that a game like eternal can get to your your consistent uh, your deck is at least consistently playing your cards i think the better that the gameplay is going to be yeah there's a line to draw because there's a point at which aggro <laughs> gets really too good if it's able to just cast everything as much as it wants. Definitely. And also goes for five color control. Like, if five color control is consistently hitting everything, then that's also a problem. That is, yeah. But if you're just playing a two color deck and you didn't draw your fourth, like, 
what kind of game is that? And it really turns out that's a very difficult balancing act to hit. Yes. I mean, as Magic players, we've seen it go in and out um, with how good your resource base is. And in Eternal, they started off giving us a very powerful resource base. Um, and I think that this change is only going to help. Right. Actually, hold on. Before, before we move on, I actually have a thought experiment for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, let's say you're playing a three-faction deck. Okay. It's late in the game. I usually do. It's late in the game. It's it's kind of grindy at this point, and you top deck Seek Power. Oh, yeah. You cast it, and then the little window pops up. You've got three of your first color, one of another color, and two of the third color remaining in Is your this deck. It's like a psychological question. Okay. So... The way the game, the way at least I believe it works, I could be totally wrong, is that it just picks one of these at random and pulls it straight from the deck. There's no reshuffling. Two facts. What do you do to best maximize the chances that you're drawing the top sigil of those sigils? Oh, gosh. It's like a weird math. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I I had this with Find the Way in a three-faction deck, and I was just like, I really don't want to draw any sigils. What do I? Which two do I grab? Do I grab two of the same? Do I grab two different ones? Wait, to hedge my bets? so this is do assuming I... that you can cast everything in your deck with the regard with what you have now on your power. Yeah, like you've got like yeah. ten power now, and it's yeah, like a non-factor. Everything just... influence-wise is set. You didn't. You don't need to go for seven shadow after you got the sixth for witching hour. So this isn't actually a hard puzzle. It's just a puzzle I don't know how to do. I feel like well, yeah. if I knew ha- like it's like um it's like higher level math classes where it's not that punching things in a calculator is hard it's that the formulas are not I I don't have the formulas. Yeah, you want to know my actual um my actual decision? Sure. So it evens out uh, based on one of two outcomes. This is depending on my mood for the day. Some days I want to have as even of power uh, or of influences as I can. You know, I want to have the 5 time primal and justice so sometimes i'll try and balance it out other times if i'm maybe a little salty already i will pick on the weak power and i will take the one that only has one left because i'm like yeah i'm not gonna draw you ever again i'm gonna play you right now you realize that this question was about play optimization right this is entirely about spiking the game as hard as you can it's now about spiting the color that (laughs) That you got flooded with. That's what it's about. Is that the new player psychographic? It's spite. <laughs> Timmy, Timmy, Jami, Spike, and Spite. It's... And Spite just wants to, like, make the game suffer for what it's done. You've given me nine fire sigils already. I'll just take the tenth. <laughs> that is sometimes how I feel. They're just intent on breaking the game. Like, <laughs> look, I'm just going to play my Enlightened Stranger New Tomorrow deck, and you're going to deal with it. <laughs> Because I want to crash this client. <laughs> oh, there's a problem there. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about mulligans before we got to that. We had been, yes. Um, so are there any problems that you foresee with this mulligan? Uh, no. I mean, there's some problems in that 25 sigil decks are more consistent. There are. Uh, and whether or not that's actually a problem is debatable. Because uh, yeah, we were just talking about how we like to skimp on sigils when we can, as know? much as possible. As like mu- as much as po- we still make good power bases, I think, but as much as possible. Like I don't think I've ever gone above twenty-seven. I have definitely done okay. that, but not often. Um, but I st- I still just made twenty-five sigil decks as often as I could. 
and I was wrong to do so, but, <laughs> like, it's kind of something I haven't quite learned yet that I learned in Magic from listening to Limited Resources. Oh, yeah. Which was that a land is a good thing, and you can cut a card that's fun and says something. Like, you can cut a card that has text and does a thing for a land, and that's okay. It's, unfortunately, it is. It is, guys. So... I, I haven't quite grasped that for Eternal yet. It's the same concept, but my brain doesn't want to do it. Like, it's just like, but but the next card to cut is the last word, and you love the last word. Don't ever do that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> if you're cutting the last word to add more power, you should be cutting something else to add more power so you can cast the last word. No, I think that's wrong. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I think what actually might help you, and what would definitely help me, would be if, you know... Eventually, we start to get some different sigil arts that are sweet. I would, I could go for some of that. <laughs> uh, premium sigils. Just saying, not a priority, guys. Not a priority, but I would look forward to that a lot. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree in that we. I think it's unlikely for this change to, but I could see it making uh, skimping on power more than you. I guess, more than would be healthy for the meta. Um, something that happens a lot more. So, if the... Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. If this has negative consequences, odds are that we will not see it. Because it's I the kind of that. thing that we would have to have absurd amounts of numbers and statistics to get right. Yeah. Like, we'll have a lot of anecdotal evidence, but, like, the numbers of decks... Like, they have a deck percent... They probably are keeping track of, like, win rates of decks with X amount of power. Potentially, yeah. And uh, they will have the ability to compare it to the after effect and see what if that's a net positive or net negative. Right. But for us, it's going to look like it always has. Yeah. But slightly better, I would think. Yep. All right. Um, any <laughs> final thoughts on mulligans? Um, no. No. I, I think it's something that I was very pleasantly surprised by. I really like that this kind of design space is being explored. Design space? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because the, it, oh, like game I'm, design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I guess I, I, the, yeah. again, taking full advantage of digital-only medium, mm -hmm. medium, uh, having the game do things for you that would be impossible to enforce in real life. Right, yeah. Things like taking a card from your opponent's deck, all that type of stuff, or is, like, stuff that you can only do because the game... The judge is in the game. <laughs> yeah, every so often people come up with, like, why isn't there a mercy rule on power? Like, say you haven't drawn one five draws in a row, then you get one, or something like that, you know, where they advocate for kind of weaving the power into your, into your deck. I think this is the closest we would ever get to that. Agreed. And it's also, a, it's also enough like it that it's... It's an alright compromise. Plus, I don't like I, I don't like that idea just in general. Just, I mean, neither do I. Yeah, but... yeah. Uh, just real quick, my problem with it is that then you can have a really you can get you get people who are really good at knowing what the top of their deck is going to be next, uh -huh. based on like statistics or numbers or all that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like instead of just being like, I've got a one in thirty eight to draw this card. Let's do it. It's like okay, let's see. I drew two of this last turn. Oh, and... if it got to that point. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I could see that. So, that's that's the end of that discussion. Mm -hmm. We got one more topic for today. So let's hope that we can stretch it into 20 minutes. That gold. Also, I need to think of a pun. So I'm probably <laughs> going to be doing that while we're talking about this. I mean, we, we both can 
do that. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, gold, efficient gold spending, earning, and a little bit about shift stone, but not super much. Mm-hmm. So, okay. The economy. Yes, the economy of Eternal. And so, first of all, I think it's important to go over the the ways that you most effectively are getting gold when you're when you're playing. Uh, how are you accruing this resource that you want to be spending? Right, and the easy answer is that you play the game <laughs> <laughs> because it does give you gold for most things that you do. Yes. Besides losing. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Is this game viable as completely free to play? Completely. Yeah, there we go. I'm asking you because that's exactly what you're doing. Yep. I mean, I'd, okay. Yeah, I bought uh, the three-pack thing, um, the three-pack bundle that you get three packs of each set, you know. Um, that was just such good value. It was such good value, and I, you know, appreciate them. Um, otherwise, I ground, I grinded gold for Jeff's bounty. Ground. Um, haven't spent money since. Yeah. This game is awesome at giving you opportunities to earn gold and keep like building your collection mm-hmm. so also like just playing the game like you'll open several packs a day just from playing if you want if you so want it you really can so yeah okay um because about how much gold did you do did you do some math here hmm? about how much of a pack do you get you know for for different amounts of wins oh for uh like when you're doing constructed and stuff yeah okay uh, if you're just playing ranked right so it's based off of numbers like uh, the number I found and it, I saw it on Reddit. So who knows if it's right? Was like an upgrade is like a ten percent chance. Mm-hmm. If, does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty extensively tested. Okay, so uh, actually, let's let first you get chests. That's how you <laughs> that's how you earn gold. You play constructed, you get chests. You do your dailies, you get chests. You go through the gauntlet, forge, draft, rewards are all chests. Yep. There are four tiers of chests. Bronze, silver, gold, diamond. Bronze give you between like 60 and 90 gold. Uh, uh, 60 and 80? I think it's 60 and 80. I, 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 no, it's definitely 50. 50 is the Somewhere in like the 60 range. Yeah. Uh, I so think like 55, 60 is average. Bronze gives you... Uh, how did I... Bronze gives you roughly like 6% of a pack. So it's not super useful. Not great. Uh, silver gives you 25% of a pack. Gold gives you 50% of a pack and a pack. Yeah! And uh, Diamond gives you a pack, some shift, st- uh, some shift stone, <laughs> and also uh, uh, two packs worth of gold. 2,000 at yep. least. Those are, those are really nice, but really hard to come by. Actually, they, they were like so hard, quote-unquote, to get for a while that the game kept track of how many diamond chests you had opened. Whoa! Yeah, over the summer uh, last cool. year. Yeah, that's... They actually, like a little counter, kept track of how many diamond chests you had opened. It was huh. really fun to see it, just like as you got better at draft, how many more of those <laughs> stupid things you got. If only we would ever get better at draft. Right. So we're phrasing, we're going to phrase things in terms of their value in packs, uh, but a pack is 1,000 gold. Yep. So it's just really like nice numbers to keep track of. But Very so, nice yeah. round number. So, uh... Let's start off with how you begin the game. Yeah. So you start the game, you play the crappy campaign. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep harping on that campaign, man. It's, it's painful. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
It's just, it's mostly just the strangers fight at the I end. I am looking forward to the rework. Yes. So, um, you play through the campaign, and then you're on the home screen. You've got five not great decks sitting there waiting to be played. What do you do? Well, you should probably start earning gold to buy packs or to build your collection Get out. Get more cards. Right. So, and I'm saying buy packs, but don't. We'll get to that later. We will. <laughs> don't stop listening. Hold on. First thing you should do is Gauntlet and Forge. Yep. So those will teach you the main central mechanics of the game, but most importantly, they give you chests as rewards. And they give you really good chests, too. That they do, because they have reward chests in there, which give multiple packs. Um, I think, like, three sometimes? No, no, no. Okay, that? so so that I think that's what it used to be or something. That might be, that might be old, yeah. Um, so here's... What they are. Gauntlet, you can get up to, I believe, two gold? Or no, no, sorry, you can get up to... Oh, man, I completely... I have been so long since I've actually made a run of Gauntlet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it a single gold at the end, or is it... The, so, oh, three silver. no, I mean when you're ranking up. Your rank up. Oh, I, I understand. I'm, I'm getting to the rank oh, up, Oh, okay. So, um... Your, you... your final gauntlet, I think, is just... Is just two silver. Is it two silver? I that believe would make it sense. is. Yeah, your final gauntlet. Is it two after silver you and a uh, rank up? If you're ranking up still, yes. Okay. So, um, otherwise it's just three silver, I think. i actually not sure. By the point at which you're getting... By the point at which you are no longer getting rank-up chests, this is this shouldn't matter you're to you. You're usually past gauntlet, by So, anyways, um, you play through the gauntlet to get to the rewards at the end. Uh, silver chest... You get silver chests, and you get the rank-up chest, which I believe for gauntlet gives you... 500 gold and yeah. a pack. One pack. Uh, Forge ones give you 1,000 gold in two packs. Oh, that's what that is. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, which is basically they, three packs. <laughs> pretty much. So, play these modes because they're really cost-effective, especially Forge. Forge mm-hmm. is amazing. You get to pick the cards you want. You get to build towards the color collection that you want. Uh, it costs about as much as it would take to crack open that many cards worth of packs. Yeah, it is negative gold, but you're building your collection. It's negative gold in a sense. Yeah. Like, you're losing 500 gold, if you think about it that way. Yeah. Um, but that's if you lose 500 gold, and then you just scrub out and don't win any games at the Forge. Like, that purely serves for you can't infinite Forge. Right. Um, and you'll get rewarded in packs and stuff, not through... Uh, Gold, so that you can't keep going. Right. But by the end of the forge, you get uh, two gold chests and a rank up chest. Mm-hmm. So the two gold chest again, that's two packs and a thousand gold, and the rank up chest is another thousand gold and two packs. So while you're ranking up your forge to master, and basically what we're saying is get your gauntlet and forge to master because the rank up rewards are worth it. Yep. Um, uh, as you're going up, each time that you rank up, you're netting, uh, you get four packs of value for your 2,500 investment. Very good. Plus 2,000 back. So you're losing 500 total, but you got four packs plus the cards that you drafted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is really going to go into making Gauntlet easier by having cards that are better than what are in the starter decks. So, you've been playing Gauntlet and Forge for a while, you have some decks that you like, you have some cards that you really like to play with. What do you do now? Adventures in rank. Yes. So, the first question you should ask yourself is, do I have 5,000 gold? If the answer is yes, draft. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. So, here's the thing about draft. Draft is the most cost-effective way to build out your collection and the best way that you can, like, use your gold. It's, right. it's just the most efficient way. It's also really good at 
helping you become a better player. But also we'll get that. to that later. Also that, which means um, that you'll get more and more rewards as you draft more. But here's yeah. the thing. Draft costs 5,000 gold, and yes, that is a very large amount of gold. But you open four packs, and if you just took the highest shift, uh, shift stone value from each pack, mm-hmm. you're going to end up ahead of what you would have been with the five packs anyway. So, like, if you just took a bunch of rares, then if you just, if you took the rare from each pack you opened and yeah. you picked up one additional rare, then you're already basically even with what the cost of five packs would have been. Yeah. Plus your two silver chests that you're getting at the end of it. And you can frequently rare draft and not even impact your your draft that much. And even if you drafted and took exactly, like, one rare, three uncommons, and a bunch of commons from <laughs> each pack, yeah. which would frankly be absurd, like, <laughs> if that actually happened. Yeah. Probably not a great deck. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe? Maybe. Anyways, the, um... The, well, I guess four rares. You, know. you then also get 500 uh, gold from the two silver chests you get by default. Yep. Plus two more uncommons. Which so, is fine. Yeah, so like... Especially early game. Uncommons are something you never want to craft, but it doesn't feel good when you don't have very many of them. Right, so there's just really no reason to open packs is what we're getting at. Yeah. Just save until you can draft and then draft and you don't even have to play the draft. Just take the cards that you want. Especially <laughs> especially early on. <laughs> I can't believe you just said you don't even have to play the draft. I mean, you, but don't, you don't have to. You don't have to. You could to. retire it and still be up value. Yeah, that is true. Um, plus, remember, each of those chests has a random chance at upgrading and the more chests you open, the more times you're going to get that random upgrade. Amen! So, um, if the answer to the question, do I have 5,000 gold, is no, do not crack packs. <laughs> Instead, go play ranked. And ranked gives you a uh, chest every time you win a game. Yep. It goes bronze, bronze, silver, and then resets to bronze, bronze, silver. Again, the idea is just to open as many chests as you can to get the upgrades. Bronze chests are worthless. Mm-hmm. They give you, again, like 6 to 7% of a pack. That's basically nothing um the silver chests give you 25% and that's well worth it yeah like I mean three three wins in ranked is approximately 350 gold which is great to compare this again to Hearthstone because I really need to play other digital card games for more comparison value <laughs> um <laughs> in Hearthstone it takes 30 wins to open a pack of five cards Gosh. In this game, it takes 12. And that's also... Wait, no. Does it even take 12? Because that's just adding the silver chests together. Gosh. I think it takes, like, 10. I think it's fewer, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, it takes much, much less wins. Well, because three sets of three wins, that's nine wins, that's already over a thousand gold. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) Nine wins. Yeah. Math! And... Of, like, and if you open nine chests, one in ten chests is going to upgrade. <laughs> this isn't a guarantee that, because that's not how statistics work. No, but, but likely. Yes. The, this section is almost completely... I feel like this topic is almost completely unnecessary because the advice is play the game. <laughs> a little bit, but, but it's the nice important to... thing, guys, is that we said that after we'd talked about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> ten. <laughs> ten. So, um... Yeah, uh, that's just the kind of progression you should go through. Uh, The next thing about earning gold is dailies. Mm -hmm. So each day, you're going to be given a new quest 
with a certain parameter that will reward you with either two silver chests or a gold chest. The gold chest uh, dailies are harder to fulfill. They take more time. Uh, what did you just find out? I got my pun. Okay, you got a pun. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, the, the gold ones are harder to fulfill, but they're worth it just because you guarantee you'd get that bonus value of a pack. Mm -hmm. Because essentially a gold chest is worth 1,500 gold. And that's better than the 500 gold you get for the silver chest. Right. I mean, assuming you're using your gold toward cards. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, no, a, a pack plus 500. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I'm just saying the net value. Anyways. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, the gold chests are absolutely worth trying, so each day you get one chance to re-roll the quest, so do it. If it's silver, get rid of it. Take it! But, here's where it's important. Other games where you have to grind dailies, people will often suggest that you just don't play on the day that your daily isn't optimized. That's no. so bad. Like, yeah. Like, if you're trying to optimize your quests, don't. Because this game will make up for the lost value so fast. Yeah. Like, don't not play your best deck, the one that you're best at and the one you have the most fun with, just because that is your silver quest daily for the day. Right. Because you'll lose out on, what is it, a thousand gold of value. And... Yeah, sure, that's a lot. If you can guarantee getting a gold in any reasonable amount of time. Right. They don't re-roll into gold very often. No. And, again, you can upgrade chests randomly, and you're going to make up that ground just by playing the game. Like, yeah. As we said, nine wins. Yep. And there are decks that can get nine wins in under, like, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, knowing that now that Jito's been nerfed, who knows if there's even decks that can get nine wins in half an hour. Get that Praxis Dream Curve. So, yeah. Um, like, the gold ones are even just win five games, and that takes considerable investment of time. Anyways, yeah. the point is <laughs> play the game. Play okay. Constructed. Play Constructed is the best way to earn gold. Yeah. Um, constructed being draft in. Well, no. No. I mean, but draft is, yeah. Dra draft is the best way to get cards. You... Constructed yes. is the best way to get gold. There we go. I'm Got caught it. up. <laughs> Got I it. had four hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's, um... That's that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, spending shift stone, we don't want to... This could be its whole other topic, and we talked about spending shift stone before, and we really ought to revisit it. We've, yeah, we've covered it a couple times. So, here's the general run-through really quick. Uh... Try to only craft legendaries. Yeah. Uh, try to craft staple legendaries, and especially dangerously good staple legendaries that might be nerfed. Because <laughs> things like Seraph, like I love Seraph, and I don't want Seraph, anything to happen to her, right. but it's possible she gets nerfed again. No. It's, yeah. it, it, it is could, possible. It could happen. It's completely possible. Yeah. So they only give you dust re uh, the shiftstone refund if you crafted the card right so make sure to craft things like sandstorm titan uh seraph uh is there even anything <gasps> remotely close to being nerfed that's also a legendary uh i don't think so bandit queen maybe maybe i don't think so i yeah like that's that's a bit of a stretch craft craft the things you want to play though also yeah. i mean also that <laughs> but like like the legendaries in your factions if you if you don't have anything to build a queen deck like, no need to craft queens right away. Build toward Elysian or whatever else you're playing that I like. Like, I've had to craft uncommons before, and that just sucks. 
Yeah. And then uh, guaranteed, the next pack that you get, you're gonna There's get that the lightning freaking storm. Yeah. How long did it take you to get your set of lightning storms Far after the wipe? Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't craft them. I don't think. If I did, I blotted out from my, my memory. Like I, to play the gunsmith combo deck, I ended up crafting three of them. What? Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> that didn't feel good. No. Anyways, we're probably just going to end it there. Other than this one last thing, don't buy packs. Don't do it. I mean with gold. Like if you want to buy the pack of packs, you know, to get a head start, like you can do that if you want. Oh yeah, yeah. But sure, if you're a free to play sure. player, don't buy packs with gold. Draft. Yes, drafting is 100% of the time going to be better. And when set two comes out, whenever that is, and however the, however they're going to implement that into draft, then maybe buying packs of set two in the beginning will be worth it because there's some extra value to opening new packs where the shift stone is worth more because you don't actually have any of the cards. True. Because like now it, I'm at the point Wait. where most of the packs that I open are you... worthless in shift stone other than the rare because I already own all those cards. Yeah, you do get the hundred shift stone from drafting though oh no no back, yeah. no what i'm saying is um that you're opening commons that you otherwise wouldn't have. oh that yes. yes okay so you're getting the full value of the commons and uncommons where you wouldn't otherwise mm, i see what you mean yeah okay so yeah uh we're gonna we're gonna call it there we are that was you know that i was like super excited to talk about this and then as i was talking about it i was like wow this is completely pointless and unnecessary it's pretty much stuff that <laughs> common it, sense fairly common sense yeah yeah, yeah. so Anyway, I know it's spring, and everyone's very excited about spring. Oh, God. But I wanted to recall to you an autumn memory uh, from a couple years ago. Have you guys ever heard of the frog jumping competition that is, like, Mark Twain? I don't know if he sponsored it or invented it, participated in it. I don't know. Anyway. Hold on, hold on. Real quick. Are you aware of a short piece by Mark Twain called Jim Smiley and his Jumping Frog. That I am. Okay. That I, I'm just glad to see the reference. Yes. Um, anyway, frog jumping competitions are a cultural element of some parts of the United States, and they usually take place in summer, because that's when frogs are most abundant and most active. But I ran across a group of people who really missed having their frog jumping competitions. And they wanted it in the fall, too. They were tired of putting their prized frogs under the mud for sleeping um, I, over the I'm winter. I'm having ideas of where this is going. You better not. And anyway, uh, what they did know was that lizards were much more common in fall. They were still very active. But lizards, as you guys are probably aware, don't jump very well. They run. They dash. Um, and so... In order to make up for the lack of frogs, they organized what they started calling the fall sprints. The fall sprints. Have all of your puns been animal related? Most of them. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>